How old are you? 87. I'm 87. Glad to have you. Now, I have to say something. The audience can't see this. How is it that you look younger than me? How did that happen? <laughs> well, I think uh, I thought I was talking with an honest man, but I say I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Aldo Martin, and this is the Reclamation Podcast. Today we have with us Mr. Howard W. Norton, who is one of the authors of The Discipling Dilemma. Let me tell you a little bit about him. From 1977 to 1996, Mr. Norton served as Professor of Bible and Missions at Oklahoma Christian University where he was the Dean of College and Biblical Studies from 1992 to 1996. Mr. Norton also served as editor of the Christian Chronicle from 1981 to 1996, and later as editor of the Arkansas Christian Herald. He served on the board of the Continent of Great Cities and World Bible School. Mr. Norton joined Harding University's Bible faculty in 1997, and he directed the annual lectureship and edited Church and Family Magazine. Mr. Norton, welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. So before we even began recording, uh, Mr. Norton and I were speaking, and Mr. Norton, you spent several years in the country of Brazil as uh, as a missionary. Uh, how how long were you there? Well, uh, from beginning to end, with uh, including furloughs and uh, one leave of absence, uh, sixteen years, and then uh, except for COVID, the years of COVID, I went to Brazil after I came back to the United States. I went back to Brazil uh, two or three times a year, ordinarily, so. Uh, you add all that together, a lot of years. Last year, we celebrated our 60th anniversary as a team, and we'll have a we'll have a 61st celebration here in a few days. I love it, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Mr. Norton. As well, what are you up to these days, anyway? I, I've mentioned all the things that you've done in the past. What What are you up to these days? Well, I serve as an elder of the College Church of Christ in Searcy, Arkansas. And uh, right at this moment, I'm serving as chairman of our elders. We pass the that job around every four months. A different person serves as the chairman of the elders. And I'm in my four-month period there of serving as an elder. I, uh, I'm on several boards. Uh, I'm chairman of the World Bible School Board, uh, chairman of the Southern Christian Home, Southern Christian Children's Home uh, Board. I have been on the on the boards of uh, Missions Resource Network. I'm not now, but I have been in the past. Missions Resource Network and uh, Great Cities Missions, which uh, was called Continent of Great Cities. I'm not on those boards at this time. I do quite a bit of of, of consulting uh, churches and church leaders, missionaries call me and and uh, want to talk to me. Uh, 
I am I'm fully retired though in terms of uh, being responsible. I don't get paid for any of that. You, you, I mean, I'm a volunteer. I'm a volunteer. Well, I, I was about to say, because you said you're fully retired, but I was like, it doesn't sound like it. You, When do you sit down, Mr. Norton? <laughs> well, as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, also, I, I consider myself a writer. Uh, I write a column for the Abundant Living magazine, and I frequently write... Uh, articles i'm more into short articles essay type articles than i am books uh although i i have written one book helped edit one book well that's that's what that's what we're here to talk about i want to talk about one of these books that you've written and in addition to that in addition to that you know what mr norton let's flex on the people real quick you were also bilingual você fala português fala português uh-huh for those of you who don't know what we said, I asked him if he spoke Portuguese, and he said, yes, I do. There we go. <laughs> Multilingual here. So so in this season of our program, in season three, we've discussed uh, the book, The Discipling Dilemma, and we try to discuss it as much as we possibly can. Now, Mr. Norton, as you being one of the authors of the book, from your recollection, can you tell us why this book was created? Yes, uh you mentioned in the introduction that I introduced. I, I was editor of the Christian Chronicle from '81 to '96, uh, almost exactly 15 years. And uh, during that time is the time when the Crossroads movement was flourishing, the Boston movement was flourishing, and as editor. I had to make some decisions about what do we, we report and what do we not report about res, results. Uh, we would try each each year to give some idea of how the church was doing in different parts of the country. What do you mean by results? I mean uh, people obeying the gospel, being baptized. Okay. Understood. Uh, becoming members of the Church of Christ. Would that be the same as the stats, kind of, sort of? Yeah. Okay. That's right. There was a lot of emphasis back in those days on on church growth. Uh, church growth with a capital C and a capital G. Church growth was basically the name of a philosophy of evangelism and church establishment. Uh, it was. It wasn't. Uh, it was. A, it was a kind of a philosophy, a, a methodology, maybe I should say. So all of us uh, were interested in what was happening at Crossroads and then at Boston because of the tremendous growth, the uh, the number of people who were being baptized, and of course. Uh, generally speaking, what was happening in the Boston movement dwarfed uh, any other congregation. And and I'm and I'm assuming that surprised you, right? Like this, it jumped out at you. It stood out. It did uh, because it was just so sensational. It was uh, it was unbelievable, and uh, different things happened to let me know that movement better 
but it was all in some ways anchored in my work with the Christian Chronicle. For example, I had the opportunity one time to visit one of the leaders' workshops in Chicago. And and that workshop for for who? Well, it would have been for Kip McKean uh, and those high-powered people, Al, Al Baird, so this is for the uh, this is for the Boston movement, a workshop for the Boston movement. That's right. They were having a big meeting, I think, on the campus of Wheaton College, not Wheaton College, uh, Dwight Moody, Moody Institute. I believe I'm right that that's where they they were meeting. Let me let me back up on that one, Aldo. No worries. That might have been a, a hotel in Chicago. Because I went to another meeting that didn't have anything to do with Boston at, at Moody Institute back in those years. But uh, anyway, a good friend of mine named Wendell Broom had been scheduled to speak to that leadership conference about uh, evangelism. And something came up that he could not go. And he called me and asked me if I could take his place. And I told him that I could. And uh, they invited me to come. And so I went. And I had the opportunity to be there uh, and, and see kind of the inside of what was what was going on. And also feel the energy, right? Of what's feel happening. the energy. Oh, tremendous energy. I, I sat at the head table with Kip McKean. I, I was trying to remember if Al Baird was at that table too. I don't remember. Did you know Al? I know who he is. I didn't know him, but I, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. he might've been there because he's one of the, uh, the founding members of, yeah. uh, of the Boston you knew movement. Kip, though. I, I knew of him. I know him now, but I, I knew of him. Okay. It was one of those things, Aldo, that you, you go into it and you think, Man, this is impressive. I mean, the the fellas. Uh, you know, I've seen pictures of uh, who who was the leader, not Malcolm X, but uh, who was the other very controversial leader in New York? Uh, uh, Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan. Uh, you know how when you see Louis Farrakhan uh, on, on television. He has these nice-looking men in suits and ties, and I, I mean, it just—and it's, it's polished, it's pristine, it's polished. it's sharp. You know, people well manicured. I, I mean, everything. That was the way that meeting was. Just outstanding. And Kip spoke, and he had a fervor in his speaking that reminded me of the pictures I had seen of Adolf Hitler. Whoa, whoa, hold up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was not expecting that. Go on. Go on. Well, it was it was just an unbelievable energy. What was what what was reminiscent of 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 Hitler when when you when you saw it? What was what was reminiscent? Well, of course, he had that audience with him, for one thing. You know, the audience was totally with him. And his, uh, the level of his excitement and the, the uh, I'm going to use that word again, fervor. 
just a boiling fervor in his speaking. I, I don't know that I have ever heard a preacher anywhere that had that spoke with the fire that Kip McKean had. Mr. Norton, it, how old were you at this time? This is in the 80s. What year were you born? I was born 35. So you were in your 40s, I was in 50s? my 50s. So you were in your 50s. So in, in all your years in experience with the church, this is the first time you've heard somebody, you haven't heard somebody like him up till that point. I had heard some really good preachers. I mean, really good preachers, but never anybody like him. And and, and the people were just hanging on to every word. I mean, it was it was unreal. It was unreal and a little bit scary. But when I got there, a person picked me up. I don't remember his name, and I'm not going to give too much detail about him because I don't want to. I don't want to create any kind of embarrassment for him. And I have, I have no idea what his situation is now. But he picked me up at the airport, took me to the meeting in downtown Chicago, hosted me while I was there. Everything planned beautifully, perfectly organized. And when it was time for me to leave, he took me back to the airport. And he said uh, something to the effect uh, that uh, he was so glad that uh, he had gotten permission to marry his wife. Now, this man was an engineer. And this is a this is a, a member of the this Boston movement. This is a member, movement. yes. And uh, he said that he was so glad he had gotten permission to marry his wife. And uh, I said, well... Uh, what do you mean that you got permission to marry your wife? And he said, well, the leaders really didn't want me to marry the girl I married because they had, they had picked her out for one of the major leaders in this movement. And I was not a major leader in the movement, but he said, fortunately, I talked to one of those leaders and I, I, I explained to him how I felt that this was the girl for me. And thank the Lord, he let me marry her. I thought, whoa, you know, this is the United States. Uh, You don't have to ask. You know, if you're a nice guy, you may ask the girl's father for her hand. Did did you ask your, your, uh, your wife's father, Mr. Norton? Yes. Okay. Just wanted to care. So confirmed, Mr. Norton is a nice guy. Go on. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) But I I did that. Uh, It was a traditional thing to do, and I think a good tradition. But to, you know, to feel like I had to ask my uncle if I could marry her, or if I, I had to ask my elders if I could marry her, or her elders if I could marry her. You know, that just didn't make any sense. It just didn't make any sense. Especially at a church level. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So that that gave me an inside look. The fervor of that meeting, of of Kemp speaking, uh, the absolute 
it appeared absolute submission to to uh, to other people outside your family uh, who who should not be the ones asked if you could marry somebody. And uh, now that was one example. That's 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 a sufficient example. I went to a a big meeting of our of uh, the Churches of Christ. And this is this is after this uh, meeting that you this first meeting that you went to that you spoke about. Yes, I believe it's after. Okay, that was a long time ago, so some of my memories have faded. I think your memory is doing just fine, Mister Norton. But uh, I went to Mexico, and I think I went to what was called the Pan American Lectureship, and Al Baird was there, and one or two of the other Boston leaders were there if i can so before you started the story you mentioned it was something church of christ so at the time that we're talking about the boston movement was still part of the church of christ yes so so you're talking about a uh, an event that had different congregations of the church of christ from different places and representative from the Boston movement were also there. They were they were in attendance. Got it. They were in attendance, and so uh, we decided to uh, to try to ha- get together. And I think we had lunch together, perhaps. Uh, a pretty good group of us, and uh, and we talked about our differences because by that time the differences were showing, and. Uh, I was we were very, very concerned because they were moving into Brazil. They were moving who's moving into Brazil? Boston movement. And that's your territory. That that was that was where we had spent a great portion of our lives. Although we were then at that time in the United States. But we heard that was that was during an expansion period in the Boston movement. And they were going everywhere. Why was that concerning to you? Because I didn't want to see them do in Brazil what they had done elsewhere. By that time, I knew there was something bad wrong with that movement. It was a little bit difficult to define it, uh, but I've written some words down here in a minute that I think defined the movement. But we, uh, we had the meeting, and I mentioned what I considered to be the number one problem with the Boston movement. Next time on The Reclamation. And Flavel, maybe, I don't know, but he was, he, uh, he and Don were brains. And uh, one of us said, you know what we, well, we need, we need to write this up. And Flavel said, well, we need to, I think it was probably Flavel who said, we need to write a book.